because it's not a financial problem. It's a development problem, and it's a development problem that affects us all. It will irradiate into the future because all of these resources that we are not investing today to provide food, to provide education, to provide healthcare. Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at debt, explaining what it is, how it works, and why it matters. Inflation is high, interest rates are rising, and the war in Ukraine has hit the world with a cost-of-living crisis. Every day, debt is in the news as countries, companies and ordinary people struggle to repay their loans or borrow at reasonable rates. Well, joining me now to put the credit crunch in context is economist Daniel Munavar from UNCTAD's Debt and Development Finance Branch. Daniel is also part of the technical team working for the UN's Global Crisis Response Group that's helping countries to cope with soaring costs of food, energy and finance. One of his professional passions is studying sovereign debt as it impacts economics, law, history, and of course, people. Well, welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Now, there are various kinds of debt, aren't there? Well, actually, debt, it's an incredibly useful tool that we have as a society because it's a mechanism that allows us to move resources from one place, from one country, to another where, where it's needed the most and use it to invest in a better future. So as any tool, it depends on how you use it and why you use it. If you use it for the right purposes, then you can have positive outcomes. If you use it in the wrong way, then you can end up with catastrophic outcomes. So debt is not inherently good or bad, it's simply a tool. For example, right now in the world, we have around $300 trillion of debt, which mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's a pretty massive figure. And roughly a third of this amount is owed by governments, and the remaining two thirds are owed by the private sector. And that include, includes households, includes banks, includes non-financial corporations. Now, most of the, of the problems that we have been seeing in the news recently focus on a specific segment of that debt which is the debt owed by governments in developing countries. So these are debts that have been incurred by governments in these countries precisely in an attempt to mobilize resources towards the achievement of the sustainable development goals. So in a way, these debts encompass both our fears and hopes as a society, in the sense that we're taking these resources to achieve something that we desire as a global goal, but at the same time, we have all of these fears about the negative impacts that this is having mm. precisely on our capacity to achieve. Why has borrowing become more difficult and more expensive? So basically what we have had over the last decade is substantial increase in, in the debt levels of, of developing countries. And as any person in their own personal capacity can attest to, if you have a ton of debts, for example, if you have a really large mortgage on your house or you happen to incur on a large credit 
card uh, balance, when you have a lot of debts, then the moment that the bank comes to you and tells you, hey, you need to pay me mm. the balance on this, then you start facing difficulties because money that you would use, for example, to pay for your kids' school or to do grocery shopping, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to use it for that because you have to pay the bank. So developing countries are struggling with this problem in the sense that they have accumulated a substantial amount of debt over the last decade as part of this push towards the sustainable development goals. They were able to accumulate these debts in a context where global interest rates were really low, so it was possible to finance those debts at, at relatively low cost. But over the last three years, things have changed dramatically right. for the worse. For example, you have had a series of global shocks. You had the COVID-19 pandemic, where governments have to borrow large amounts of money to finance the health and social protection response to protect their population from the impact of, of COVID. You have the impact of the war in Ukraine in terms of the, the cost of living yeah. crisis. And you also have climate change where countries are increasingly having to deal mm. with the negative impacts of climate change and having to borrow to offset those negative impacts. At the same time, precisely because of, of this cost of living crisis and inflation, mm. central banks across the world are increasing interest rates. And that is creating a situation where governments, as a result of these increasing interest rates, are having to allocate more resources to service their debts instead of servicing their people. Is there any light in sight or are we expecting things to get worse before they get better? Unfortunately, yes. And this is quite concerning. So this year, 2023, marks the halfway point towards the achievement of the sustainable development mm -hmm. goals. We're supposed to be entering this period where we as a global society make a massive push in terms of mobilizing resources towards achieving those sustainable development goals, eradicating poverty, eradicating extreme hunger, universal health and education. But precisely because we have this combination of global economic shocks, we have a situation where countries are not being able to mobilize these resources. So it's not, not only that we're not moving forward towards the sustainable development goals, we are actually at risk of moving backwards. Worse health outcomes, because of the pandemic, worse educational outcomes because of the closure of schools. So we have a situation where in 111 countries, human development has gone backwards. We have a situation where in 88 countries of those 111, over the next five years, they are expected to cut government mm. expenditures. And they're going to be cutting government expenditures precisely in an attempt to pay those debts. Mm. This is why we're so concerned because it's not a financial problem. It's a development problem. And it's a development problem that affects us all. And that it will irradiate way and way further into, into the future. Because all of these resources that we are not investing today to provide food, to provide education, to provide healthcare. Some stark choices there. So what is the solution then, $16 million question, to help keep debt payments reasonable and sustainable? And who needs to be part of it? This is a systemic problem. We're dealing with a global problem that no individual country can solve by itself. We need multilateral solutions. The first component is to ensure 
that countries can receive the resources they need for their development without incurring additional debts. So we have a mechanism, a compromise, a commitment for official development assistance, where developed countries should contribute at least 0.7% of their gross national income to developing countries. Mm. But this goal has never been met. And that is creating a shortfall of resources that developing countries then have to go out and borrow, which makes mm. their situation worse. Mm-hmm. Number two, we need to ensure that precisely the type of financing that we provide to developing countries is linked to their financial capacity. A low-income country shouldn't be borrowing in commercial terms that when the markets go through a period of instability, then all of a sudden the interest rates that they have to pay are inconsistent with those long-term development needs. So then we need to expand the multilateral concessional financing system that allows these countries to borrow long-term at a really low rates in order to ensure that they don't face periods of instability that aggravate their problems. The third component is that we need to have a better system to solve when countries face at that problem. So in all of the countries in the world, you have bankruptcy procedures that ensure that if you cannot pay your debts or if a company doesn't pay its debts, then there is a system to ensure that, that we deal with this problem. So we need a multilateral debt workout mechanism, which is simply a way to ensure that debtors receive a fair treatment and that creditors also receive a fair treatment on, a, on an equal basis. And the fourth point, which is actually most important of all, is that we need to move towards a system where developing countries are better represented in how this international financial architecture works. Thank you for breaking that down for us, Daniel. That was Unktad's Daniel Munavar, who was this week's guest. Tune into the weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unktad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now.